Thanks for tuning in to our bonus episode preview. This is just a short sample of this week's exclusive Patreon episode. You can hear the episode in its entirety by becoming a member at patreon.com slash indoctrination, where you'll gain access to all of our exclusive episodes and merchandise. It is my honor and my pleasure to be able to have Rabbi Ed Feinstein back on the show by popular demand. Your episode a while back with me was very powerful. Got a lot of comments. People really resonated whether they were Jewish or not. Just this idea, the the story that we were talking about, about going through metal detectors to go to services and how it gets to be like that and how you mm, prepare your community for that, how you don't alarm them, but you how you need to be real about what's really happening in the world and attend to it. And it's a very hard thing to have to set up in a place of worship and have to have be necessary in order to keep people safe. And so there were a lot of insights that you shared about having how to engender feelings of compassion for the other rather than being at odds with each other and how to live in a safer world because of people connecting and seeing how they are more alike than unalike, as Maya Angelou says. So I wanted to be able to have you back on, first of all, because you're a friend and I've known you since forever, which is so nice, so nice, but also because you're a, a, a teacher and a uh, scholar, but also just the 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 mensch part of you, which you know is really a pleasure. It makes it a pleasure to talk to you. But now that you know this is a week after that we're talking now, it's a, a week after these arrests of some of these people in the Patriot Nation who were involved in the insurrection. There's so many more people out there and there's so many more movements that we have sort of yet to even find out about that we need to keep watch over. And there are some watchdog groups that are doing that, but still as a community leader, what do you think is going to be helpful to help to stem this tide of this kind of skewed perception of Jews about that we're a threat, that we need to somehow be maintained or managed or gotten rid of? Are there movements or efforts to help with that, to help educate people? But even before we get to that, why does it happen that these organizations devolve into or are based on this notion of the other, of the scapegoat? And why is it so often the Jews? For some people, it's African-Americans. For some people, it's just general xenophobia. But so often it's the Jews. And what is that about? So I know these are huge subjects and we could take weeks to cover it. And I'm telling you to do a Cliff Notes version of major things. So I want you to be able to first introduce yourself and then we'll start we'll start schmoozing. It's wonderful to be back with you, Rachel. Thank you so very much for asking mm -hmm. me. It's not just the Jews. It's every, every group that's identified as slightly different. Mm -hmm. which turns out to be most of us, actually. Mm -hmm. It's immigrants. It's LGBTQ people, particularly mm -hmm. trans people. Mm -hmm. It's Asian Americans. It's, of course, African Americans and Latino Americans. It's, it's people of every group that sort of veers from a certain, a certain sense of what's normal and they are identified, castigated as on the fringe, as outside. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the dynamic. I'll give you the brief theory of hate. 
Mm. I like to shop. I like to visit antique stores. And my wife likes to look at antique furniture, which is a beautiful talent of hers. I go look for old magazines. I love old magazines, Life magazine of the 1940s, 1950s, early 1960s. And what I like to look for are not the articles, but the ads. Because the ads in those magazines portray what was taken for granted in 1950, 1955, 1960. Hmm. So there's an ad. It's become famous because it's been online. It was around a crew was in Life magazine during just before Christmas time that showed a, a woman in a skirt and a blouse. And she has a beaming smile on her face. And her husband is presenting her with a vacuum cleaner with a big red bow. And it says, make her Christmas, get her a Hoover. <laughs> there was a world in 1955 mm-hmm. where women knew their place. Mm-hmm. They were subservient to men, mm-hmm. right? A woman went to college not to get a BA or an MA, but an MRS degree. She mm-hmm. wanted to marry the man of her dreams and have dinner on the table at six o'clock every evening, mm-hmm. a nice, hot, nutritious dinner that she cooked herself, having spent the whole day cleaning the house. I, I'm also a fan of old television. And the Cleavers were my family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Mrs. Cleaver, who cooked a five-course meal in her he- heels and pearls and was ready for the fresh look on her face. The idea was that after c- cleaning the house, and taking care of the kids and cooking this five-course meal, you went and freshened up so your husband would have a wonderful beaming wife to care for him when he came home from his hard day at work. Mm-hmm. Women knew their place. Right. Black folks knew their place. Mm -hmm. Gay folks were invisible. Nobody knew the word lesbian. Trans hadn't been invented yet. Immigrants, well, we let a few in every year because we needed them, but they knew their place too. Mm -hmm. This was a world of carefully ordered social roles. This was a world where men, white men, white property owning men controlled everything. And you know what happened over the over the succeeding decades? Those white property owning men lost it all. Mm. They lost their prerogative at home. Mom said, I'm getting a job. I'm having a life. Kids started mouthing off to them. Their employees decided that they wanted to unionize the black folks and Latino people and and, uh, and people and Asian Americans, people stood up and said, we demand our place in this culture. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that white guy doesn't feel like he's in charge anymore. Mm-hmm. And then comes a revolution in technology and all of the skills that got him through his career suddenly are useless skills because we have machines that can do this work quicker and better. And it takes a person, it takes a 15-year-old kid to complete to, to fix your computer. No guy can do it. And he starts to feel powerless and he starts to feel helpless and he starts to feel useless and he starts to feel put upon. Now, what's he going to do with that? If he's mature, If he's wise, he says, I better go get skills that are going to be needed in this economy. Mm -hmm. And I better figure out how I'm going to communicate with my wife and my kids. And I can figure out how I can make common cause with my employees. I can find out that my neighbors who are a variety, a rainbow of people of different cultures and backgrounds, make my my neighborhood richer and and more more enchanting and more wonderful and, and, and more colorful. That's what a mature response says. That takes a great deal of strength. 
The weak response is, I'm going to go and I'm going to project all of my rage on those who have taken away my prerogative. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get political, but I want to make one political comment. Mm-hmm. If the president had had a motto that said, make America great, I might have voted for it. But when he said, make America great again, yeah. that set off an alarm for me. Mm-hmm. Because again means once upon a time, there was a golden age. And we want to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Which means we want to repress all the people who are standing up and using their voices now. We want to push down all of those people that have found their, their place in the culture. We want to regain something that was taken from us. And that's the fantasy. And that fantasy leads very quickly to rage. My God, if you're put down at your job and you're put down at home and you're put down by your kids and you're put down by your neighbors and you feel weak, so maybe you go get an AR-15 and you load it up with hundreds of rounds of ammunition. God forbid you go shoot somebody, but at least you know that you're a man because you have this large phallic thing in your hand that can show that you still have it. You see, I, I, I hate is a projection of a brokenness inside. It's a projection onto an other of a brokenness inside. It gives a very, it's, it's so easy in, human, in the human mind to, to, to think in binaries. Us and them. Our mm-hmm. people, those people. Mm-hmm. Normal Americans, real Americans, those people, right? right. Whites, whites, white folks and, and all those people of color. Mm-hmm. straight folks and all those people whose whose bedrooms are odd, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what you're doing there is trying to regain a sense of control, a regain a sense of power, a regain a sense of prerogative. And that's where all of this hate comes from. Jews are the perennial targets because, my God, we're noisy and, and pushy and too visible in the culture. And there's a long, long, long history of blaming Jews. But, my God, blaming LGBTQ people, blaming mm-hmm. trans people, mm-hmm. blaming immigrants, blaming Asian Americans, blaming Latino Americans, blaming, 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 blaming. That's where it comes from. 